In a new American age of black excellence, in a post-Dr. Martin Luther King, Barack Obama, and Black Panther movie world, the success of black Americans has never been higher and been as limitless as it's been today. Yet, upon closer examination, it seems that at least in Hollywood, black stand-up comedians are all from a clan of Scottish Highlanders. Because apparently, there can only be one Highlander. There's a history of top comics who have been running a marathon in the dark, passing that unfortunate torch. Today, we run alongside them. Today, we run along and discover the truth of that unfortunate torch. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the DTF Podcast. You are someone who's been on your toes for a fucking year now. It's been a while. We've been gone. Why did we go? What happened? Well, I'll catch you guys up, and then we will discover the truth about the unfortunate torch. My name is Sam Norton, uh, and hello. Welcome back, guys. Uh, We were gone for a while uh, because there was a lot of uh, change and um, craziness happening. I moved, my producer moved, the world was moving around us. Uh, it's been about a year since we did our last episode, but we are back on the regular. Um, my producer, Ryan Walker, shout out to him, wonderful friend of mine. Uh, motherfucker moved to China. Yeah, so we're corresponding halfway around the world because I myself moved to Toronto, Canada. Look at that. We both went on exact opposite sides of the world. Uh, Yeah, lots happened. President Trump, uh, I don't know if you guys know that. I don't know if you guys have heard the news. Uh, Donald Trump is president. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going down in the world. Uh, Between bullets and detergent, a lot of kids have been passing away. There's just a lot of sadness. So we decided to bring this back and introduce a little love and levity and an enjoyment of something that we all hold dear if you're listening to this, which is stand-up comedy and comedy in general. Uh, I wanted to come back and talk about things I love and different uh, topics. Uh, I have a whole list. We're going to get through them. Uh, But today, like I said, I want to talk about something I've actually theorized for a while Uh, probably the last, God, I remember having this conversation about three or four years ago, and I've had a a few things come up lately, things I've seen and conversations I've had to where I'm thinking it's still holding true today, and that is that, um, that, yeah, in, in Hollywood specifically, uh, there seems to be only room for one top echelon black stand-up comedian. Um, and that goes both, uh, female and male, um, but especially, uh, we'll, we'll focus more on, uh, male comedians right now, um, but it seems that, alright, so in Hollywood, when you have a leading, uh, man, 
Uh, I can understand that comedians are not the first ones you think of, right? But with stand-up comedy, and comedies in general, you don't, it's rare that there's a period piece where you need a, a certain race to keep the authenticity. Comedy is the one thing that's flowing and that can be funny with whoever from whatever demographic you put in front of the camera. Uh, and yet, with that being said, it seems like most leading uh, comedy roles go to comedic actors, and one, and not even stand-up comedians, but two, uh, they are predominantly uh, Caucasian, white, uh, and not uh, black, or fuck, I mean, you could even go people of color in general. Um, it, it seems like there's only one chair at a time, and they're all just fucking circling it, waiting for someone to get up. Uh, now to drive this point home, uh, the one thing that I, I saw recently that made me go, I'm going to talk about this again, was a clip of one of my favorite comedians, Lavelle, <laughs> Lavelle Crawford. Sorry, my tongue got tied because he's got too many goddamn L's in his name. Lavelle Crawford. You may have seen him. I mean, the dude's huge as a comedian, uh, but you may have recognized him from your own entertainment world. He was one of the enforcers in Breaking Bad alongside of Bill Burr, another great comedian. Uh, fantastic uh, comic. Now he did a uh, an interview on VLAD TV. I'm not exactly sure what it is. It just came across uh, my feed online and I was listening to an interview actually of Dion Cole where the interviewer said, was asking the same question of, of something that Lavelle Crawford brought up in a past interview that there only seems to be room, at least in Hollywood's mind, for one black actor, one black superstar. So we're gonna listen to that clip, come back, and uh, really dive deep into the subject and, and figure out the nuance and maybe the mindset of what's going on uh, to not only Hollywood, but just the entertainment business in general. So give this a listen. We'll be right back. Well, you said that the industry sets it up for only one black comedian at a time. Yeah. yeah. Explain. It's proven fact. Think about it. Kevin Hart, they think he's the only comedian in the world right now, for real. Because, I mean, he's not. Even if he helps out. They, oh, Kevin Hart, oh, he's the greatest. No, he's not. He's good. I love Kev, you know, but he know it. He's riding that vehicle, Cat William before him, and then he went he went loco, you know, a little bit. I don't know what happened. God bless him. He's my friend. I love him to death. But Cat William, one comedian, and it be just, it just like steps, you know. But you had, but like when Def Jam was out, remember, Def Jam was out, you had a few, Eddie Griffith, Chris Tucker, Bill Bellamy, all these guys blew up at one time. And you, we, at least we knew who they were. I think that, I don't know where this is coming from and why this happens, but they give one comic a shot, one black comic at a time a shot. Like they would not do another movie, another big blockbuster movie with no other Comedian studios go, hey, we need this guy, and there's nothing. I love Kevin, love Kevin to death. That's my guy all day long. And we're back. That was Lavelle Crawford and a little bit of Dion Cole, uh, two amazing comedians talking about uh, the unfortunate torch. Now, really quick, as the caveat, because I know some of you are like, well, what about this? 
Um, they did mention the caveat. The one thing that kind of kills this theory, but I don't think so. I'm going to make a, a real point here. They mentioned uh, the Def Jam era, like the early to late slash mid-90s, uh, when Def Jam comedy was out. Russell Simmons uh, had a show, at least here in America, for all of you who don't know, very, very popular show. It was predominantly black slash what the industry calls urban, which is probably, you know, if I would have done more research, I would have dove into that horseshit. It's like, what makes people urban? I know, I know, I, I got a couple of friends that are from like the South, like shitty, like Mississippi and, and Alabama. And uh, I got a friend from Florida. They're all like fucking swamp trash. And like, yeah, they're, they're closer, they're closer, like, uh, uh, socially, to me, just my white trash ass of, you know, playing out in the mud during the summer than someone who, like, grew up in New York. So it's like, why the fuck are they called urban all the time? If they're urban, I'm fucking urban. I lived in Chicago eight years. And we both... Anyways, that's a separate thing. But the Def Jam era did... There was a period where it seemed like that was all going away during the early to late 90s, which I agree with. It, 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 it was a different time because when you had... That show had, per season, 40 or 50 different black comics uh, just showcasing their voice and talents. Uh, the industry started listening. It started to change a little bit. You had, instead of just having one or two comics up on that upper threshold... You had maybe three or four, and I think that the reason I bring that up, that that was a perfect example of like a caveat or, or something that kills my theory, I don't think it does. I think it proves it more, because I think what the biggest problem is, is laziness, right? And this isn't uh, attacking anybody's job, this is actually just pointing out what is a fundamental truth of every job, right? Everybody who has a job you know, maybe the top 5% really work hard, like enjoy it and work hard. The rest of us are just kind of maintaining. You fall into a groove and maybe you still like your job, but not every day you show up fucking wanting to conquer the world, all right? Not everybody's Genghis, not everybody's a Genghis Khan in their chosen field. Most people are just, you know, trying to get by. And I think laziness is what keeps you know, producers, bookers, just gatekeepers in general from stepping outside of their bubble or their field. Uh, you know, they, they, they only, what I'm trying to say is that there's, they have a sphere of vision. We all do, but especially gatekeepers in the entertainment industry have a sphere of vision, both literally and figuratively. And what I mean by that is like, the literal part is, like, if you're a... Let's talk about festivals. That, that's just a comedy festival, right? Uh, it's kind of a more antiquated idea, but they're still around, of festival bookers, right? They, they have a festival, which gives people opportunities to get late night. It, it's the old idea of being discovered, right? Um, like for Johnny Carson. Like, if the Johnny Carson booker saw you, you'd be discovered, go on Carson, make a million dollars. So let's... That kind of idea, right? They have an immediate field of vision. If they've never seen you before, like literally seen your act, of course they're not going to know who the fuck you are. Like, they, they haven't seen your act. They don't know who the fuck you are. And there's a problem with that inherently because most I, I don't think that it's, it's a racist thing. Maybe there are some people who are out there racist. I'm not going to get into that heavy of a thing because I'm a white dude, all right? But what I can say is 
from personal experience, everybody has a field of vision. Your friends, your family, uh, like I don't know, like fuck, I just moved to Toronto. I learned last year, I just learned what fucking Portuguese was, all right? Now, I'm a dumb American from Kansas, all right? I only know what I know. And it took me moving to another country that's more uh, ethnically diverse to figure out that Portugal is a European country that's actually kind of ethnic, which I don't, I still don't completely understand, but it's by Spain. I thought Portugal was a part of Spain, and for all you Portuguese out there, sorry, I, I don't fucking know. You guys can make fun of my Irish heritage. Um, but the, the, let's just say, let's say I've never met a Portuguese person, so I never had the inclination to learn about it uh, until I met someone who was Portuguese, then I started to be enlightened. That long fucking trailing story is part of what I'm saying is like if you've never physically seen or been around a certain group, then yeah, you're not gonna book people from that group. And I feel like there's a lot of people in in power or there's a lot of people who have that kind of producer role that fuck, let's say let's say it's a Latin woman, okay? A Latin woman that grew up in Houston, Texas, right? Now, there is a chance that she could be in uh, in more of a area to see someone f- who's fucking hilarious, like, killing it in Detroit. But if she goes from Houston to, like, Denver to L.A., when the fuck is she ever going to see, you know, Johnny Big Pants or whoever in Detroit crush it? And then if he goes out to L.A., he may not be in front of an audience that is buying what he's selling. That's another problem is that, you know, when you go to these gatekeepers, if your act is more tailored to a hyped audience and you get in front of a, you know, touristy middle America uh, crowd and you do your hype act, it may not go gangbusters. It may just go all right. And so they see that and go, well, we can't, like they can't see outside their field of vision and see the potential, which brings me to my next uh, point of instead of the literally can't see outside their fear field of vision, they figuratively can. I think, and that's hard, I think, for anybody to admit, but I think that it, that's also a special thing. That's a that's a five percent to be able to to be able to see beyond your own. I I don't fucking have it, right? I can admit that both I'm as lazy as the other ninety percent that I was talking about, and it's fucking hard for me to see outside my sphere of vision uh, figuratively, like to see beyond the potential that I see. And so th- this is not a uh, damnation of gatekeepers, producers, and bookers. I think it is just a a recognition of what where this unfortunate torch has to be coming from. That you know, when you're predominantly not black, uh, when you're all right, when you're a black comic and you're performing for predominantly non uh, black or quote unquote urban producers and shit like that they can't see your potential because they can't see your uh your perspective you know 
So let's go back to that Latin chick from Houston, right? If she's watching uh, Jimmy Two Foot or whatever, and he's doing his jokes, and they do crush, just not in front of those tourists, unless he gets in front of an audience that crushes, she may not be able to see how she can sell it, right? And I think that's what Def Jam was able to do, showing that there was people fucking just foaming at the mouth just to have something for them to buy, right? For them to just go, oh, yeah, we'll fucking buy the shit out of that because we we don't get that perspective, right? And I, that's now, if we can stretch into a bigger part of the entertainment business, I think that's never more prevalent than today. I, I'm hoping that shit is changing. I don't see it yet, but I'm hoping shit is changing because, like, the movie Get Out, Black Panther and Moonlight over this last year that we've been gone were some of the three biggest movies and guaranteed people you know even 10 years ago if you would have pitched those movies they may have been like yeah th those aren't going to work who like nobody relates with Black Panther as a superhero or uh you know a, <laughs> a gay black guy from the south following his sad story or uh, you know, a gay, or gay, a, a black horror movie slash comedy. Like, those ideas are not traditionally a idea that uh, Hollywood's chased after. But somebody, I don't know, I, I probably should have looked up who were the producers of those, but somebody was wise enough to say people are clamoring for these different perspectives. And not only because they're different, that's the shit that I hate whenever you get into these conversations of, like, nobody's nobody's wanting different people are wanting talent and talent comes from a, a slew of different perspectives so it's not just uh different for different sakes it's it's just talent and uniqueness that's all it is and but the, the thing is even with all of that happening in hollywood right the movies seem to be kind of going through this like awakening of like oh shit this unique perspective can be sold to people as long as it's good even though that's that seems to be changing hollywood still to me only sees one black comedian at a time in fact i think it's gotten worse since the 90s because that showcase ability that def jam gave us is kind of gone now like it's more of a token issue from what i see all the, all these like netflix things that come out and uh people on uh different late night platforms which late night doesn't do very much uh, as far as exposure goes anymore but all these different platforms a lot of it seems to me like a god this is gonna come off as so negative but it, this is my truth a lot of it seems like the producers are pulling in a token voice. And by that I mean it's rare that you see someone as raw and unfettered as, uh, I don't know, a prior or, um, fuck, even a, you know, an early Chappelle, even Chappelle uh, or Rock, like, and we'll get to my list of that. Like, those guys, there only seems to be one of them. Now, the thing that has changed is, like, the allowance for a black comedian to be, you know, like a Mitch Hedberg or just a nerdy 
guy. Not every black comedian's got to be like women be shopping or oh, here's a here's a joke about me from the ghetto. Like I do like that the individuality of uh, black comics is very much burgeoning and being allowed to blossom. Uh, that's apparent with someone like Hannibal Burris or Reggie Watts, like these kind of outliers, uh, from, you know, 20 years ago are now a new voice of like, yeah, we're just fucking people. So here's my personality. So I do like that. However, that seems to be, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to be what, what's happening now is that that style of comedy is now becoming the majority and in my experience uh black people aren't one thing or another like where the fuck did all the hard hard asses go where the fuck did all the uh you know truth tellers where the fuck are the weird puppet acts or someone like a uh steve martin or fucking Dimitri Martin, like, where, where is the diversity that I know is in the community of black comics, just because I see these motherfuckers out and about when I'm doing comedy, like, why the fuck are these voices not being heard, or even given a shot to kind of blossom into their own career, I, I know, I know that it's not a talent issue, uh, it has to be, a perspective, a field of vision, both seeing and seeing the, the actual act and the potential. Now, through my examinations, uh, the Hollywood question of the torch, I think, I think this is the definitive list. You have two categories. You have gold and silver. Now, you can mix, mix and match in these names, but I feel like these are all of the names that are in the gold category, okay? I think it started off with Richard Pryor, first giant black megastar movie star, right? Then it moved on from Richard Pryor, quite literally, to like Eddie Murphy in, I think it was Harlem Nights. They both did a movie together. I feel like that was the passing of the torch, but it went Richard Pryor, then Eddie Murphy. After Eddie Murphy, it was Chris Rock. After Chris Rock, it was Dave Chappelle. After Dave Chappelle, it's now Kevin Hart. There seems to be, like Lavelle said, there seem, Hollywood seems to think that there's only one black comic actor to fill those giant roles uh when there's a dearth of comedy uh talent out there i think um now we're gonna listen to that those comedians in order uh just to hear the voice evolve and kind of stay the same like there seems to be a there's an evolution, but you can see where the idea of the leading black man started from and is now uh, currently at. So, again, we're going to go with Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, and Kevin Hart. Enjoy! And the Chinese, too. The Chinese, the Chinese people here. Boy, you better watch out. I'll stick them on your ass. There's a billion Chinese. Ain't but 40 Mexicans. <laughs> That's a lot of people, right? A billion people? Jesus Christ, somebody in China doing some serious fucking. <laughs> That's right, they fuck quick too, right? It's okay. <laughs> I was in Chinatown, right? We went to Chinatown about five 
five months ago, I heard the funniest shit I'd ever heard in my life was a Chinese person that stuttered. <laughs> I swear, this dude was really stuttering in Chinese. I'm like, scum. And his friends was getting mad at him, trying to help his ass, right? Going, bitch, I'm going he was still going <laughs> You go to Chinatown, they get mad if you don't eat all the food. Right? You go, uh, man, can I have a check, please? Because you got two more dishes. Say, man, I can't eat no more of this shit. Say, you are the shit you ain't shit. And they bring you a bill. Don't you, you ever see them bills? Like, $48.50 for what? Then they get smooth on your ass, right? Guys, you'll have a two lobster compliments. <laughs> and if you really don't understand, they send that stuttering motherfucker over there to explain it to you. <laughs> Just end up throwing your money. I say, here, motherfucker, take what you want. Just shut the fuck up before you die. Ice cream truck ice cream! Ice cream man always drove extra block though. And I know he's seen us and shit, but I think he just be in the car with his friends saying, watch me make how fast I make these motherfuckers run. <laughs> you be behind him doing 50 run, ice cream! He stopped, you be all went out of wind saying, uh, ice cream man, ice cream man, uh, can I have this? I want this over here, and a, a toast on by my father, and give me this ice over here, and vanilla cone. Thank you, ice cream man, thank you, thank you, ice cream man. Thank you, and you get your ice cream. I get my ice cream. I remember I would get my ice cream, and I didn't eat it. I sang for a little while, you know. You know how kids are, have you going? I have some ice cream. I have some ice cream. I have some ice cream. And I'm gonna eat it all. I'm gonna eat it all. The ice cream be running all down your arm and shit. Ice cream. I'm going to eat all of my ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. You know, there'd be one kid on the side, they get no ice cream, and kids don't care. They go, you don't have no ice cream. You didn't get none. You didn't get none. You didn't get none. You didn't get none. Cause you are on the welfare. And you can't afford it. You can't afford it. You can't afford it. You don't need no gun control. You know what you need? We need some bullet control. We need to main, we need to control the bullets. That's right. I think all bullets should cost five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars for a bullet. You know why? Because if a bullet costs five thousand dollars, there'll be no more innocent bystanders. Yeah. Somebody get shot, they be like, damn, he must have did something. <laughs> Should they put 50000 dollars worth of bullets in his hand? <laughs> and people will think before they kill somebody if a bullet costs $5,000. Man, I would blow your fucking head off if I could afford it. <laughs> I'm gonna get me another job, I'm gonna start saving some money, and you a dead man.
You better hope I can't get no bullets on layaway. <laughs> so even if you get shot by a straight bullet, you won't have to go to no doctor to get it taken out. Whoever shot you will take their bullet back. <laughs> I believe you got my property. <laughs> it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I look out the window. It was a fucking baby standing on a corner. <laughs> <laughs> and the baby, the baby didn't even look scared. He was just standing there. <laughs> I mean, it made me sad. It made me sad, really. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to help the baby. <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't trust you either. I'm sorry. Click. The old baby on the corner trick, eh? I'm not gonna fall for that shit. Where's this limousine driver? You know, I stopped feeling bad. As time goes by, I start feeling worse. Like, man, what is wrong with me? What the hell's wrong? I'm scared of a baby. I mean, this baby could be in trouble. He might need my help. I gotta do something. But I wasn't gonna get out the car. I'm serious, man. I just cracked the window a little bit. There's an old limousine, I can roll it down. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> baby, go home, man. It's three o'clock in the morning. What the fuck are you doing up? <laughs> the baby said, I'm selling weed, nigga. I said, oh. <laughs> Stop selling weed, all right? You got your whole life ahead of you. He said, fuck you, nigga, I got kids to feed. I said, God, damn. Stupidest thing my dad ever did when he was on drugs, right? When I was a kid, I remember my dad came to parent-teacher conference. That's when you go to your kid's school, talk to your teachers, see how they do in the school. My dad shows up with sweatpants on with no drawers. This nigga dick was all over the place, okay? Listen, I cannot make this up. Let me show y'all how my dad walked into my school. This is all I saw. Hey! Every time he stopped, his dick kept moving. Excuse me! I could hear little girls like, ew, ew. My dad got mad. What the fuck is you illing about? You ain't never seen nobody with a long dick? Hey, dad, don't, don't say that. You're gonna learn today. You're gonna learn what a long dick look like today. No, dad, she don't need to learn that, please. Yeah, my dad was crazy. My dad was really crazy, man. See, my dad was mad at me because I wasn't an athlete. I didn't play sports. I was in a weird shit like spelling bees, debates. Now here's the thing, my dad would show up at my events and treat them as if they were athletic events. First of all, you can't cheer for no kid at a spelling bee. It's a spelling bee, it's quiet. I'm focused. I'm in the middle of spelling a very difficult word. My dad shows up late, busts through the back door, high as hell making cokehead noises, all right? Once again, I cannot make this up, all right? This, this is all I heard. I'm in the middle of spelling some shit. Out of nowhere, all I heard was, all right, all right, all right. Yeah! My son's spelling the shit out these motherfucking words. And your face, bitch! And your face! 
Alright, alright, alright! And we're back. That was Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, and Kevin Hart. Now, I said before, I think there's two different lists. I call them gold and silver. There's for sure as shit no fucking bronze. Apparently, there's not enough people to have multiple uh, tiers of celebrity. Like, it, And I think that's my point, is that there's only A-list black comedian celebrity. There, there's no fucking B or C. Uh, if there is, like, they're fucking F because they're only known by, like, black people. Like, there's no cross-pollinate pollinization even with the internet age nowadays like you'd think i mean there's a few like michael che and uh nowadays so i'm gonna go off the top of my head michael che who's on the snl uh boom 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 uh oh god damn it whatever well okay see there's one i know i know there's way more this is making me look fucking bad i know there's way more however uh like, I, there should be more... Oh, Leslie Jones is another one on SNL that's kind of like a B-list, C-list comedian. Uh, whatever. Here's my, my silver list, right? Uh, you had Cosby, and I don't know. Morally, I guess you can either put him up to gold if you want to talk just comedy, or you can take him completely off the list because of fucking rape. But you had... Uh, I think it started with Cosby as, like, Richard Pryor... Then you went from Cosby to Sinbad, which was Sinbad's equivalent was like Eddie Murphy. Then you went to Chris Tucker instead of uh, Chris Rock. Then you went kind of to Martin Lawrence instead of Dave Chappelle. And then you went to Martin Lawrence to Cat Williams instead of Kevin Hart. I think, and you can mix and match. Like there are people uh, like Eddie Griffin in there that had a stint for a while. Uh, Hannibal Burris is now arguably instead of Cat Williams like there, there are people you can mix and match but it's like there there are way more talent Bill Bellamy is another one that was kind of in there but like you could have like if you could have a fucking Polly Shore blow up when he did uh, why not have you know at the time why not have multiple people be like that they're like the rise and fall of these and, and I'm okay with that the rise and fall of people like in the 90s like Chris Tucker Martin Lawrence uh Bill Bellamy these guys all blew up at the kind of around the same time uh Jamie Foxx was around there like in the 90s it seemed like that torch was going away it, it got brighter and everybody could be seen running along in this marathon and then all of a sudden it just dimmed down again and now in movies, I don't know if it's the machine because there's bigger studios. I don't know what the fuck is happening, but it seems like all of that's going away now and you, you can't have these flare-ups of, of careers, you know? Let, him, let, let there be a black Polly Shore. Who gives a shit, right? The dude had an amazing fucking high-quality career for arguably a decade and then fell off. Sinbad's kind of the same thing. Fucking high-quality, huge career and then just fizzled out. That's it. You know what? That's a dream. That's a dream career for most performers is to have a good fucking decade where you're just on top of the world. Fucking, and I don't understand how someone like Lavelle Crawford is a perfect example. How the fuck did he not flare up? Bruce Bruce is another one. Uh, Dion Cole, I hope, gets there. He keeps climbing the ladder. Like, there are a thousand black comedians who deserve to have their flare-up to be the leading man at some point, and it just never, 
it seems like it's getting worse. Um, now, I want to give a shout-out to black female comics, because that torch uh, is even dimmer for them, which is shittier. Like, there is, there's not even a... There's just a gold standard. There's no silver. There's sure as shit no fucking bronze with female black comics, but there's... I don't even think there's a fucking silver. Like, here's my list of the the torch being passed to each black uh, female comedian, right? So it went Moms Mabley, Whoopi Goldberg, then to Wanda Sykes, then to Monique, now to Tiffany Haddish, Tiffany Haddish, right? And here's the fucked up thing. When I was Googling this, okay, when I was like trying to compile a list and see who I wanted to talk about, when I looked up black female comics, a lot of them popped up, right? Like, I, there was, uh, fuck, uh, Leslie Jones was one of them, Aisha Tyler, Maya Rudolph, like, these comedians who, but, like, they, they're arguably the fucking silver group. They've never been the lead woman, right? They've never been that b- big, huge fucking star. And what's even sadder, right, next to, like, Leslie Jones and Maya Rudolph and these women who are fucking great stand-up comedians, in that list of comedians was goddamn Queen Latifah. And I got nothing against her. She's talented. But how the fuck, when you're looking at, at like, black female comics, Queen Latifah comes up. Are you shitting me? It's like, it's like if I Google best comedians, best black comedians, fucking Will Smith pops up. It's like, Will Smith isn't a comic. He's a comedic actor. If, I mean, and if that, like, the dude's arguably done more drama roles than fucking comedy, so that's that's very frustrating to me as a comedian that she's even thrown in there when there's, again, a dearth, uh, just a, a, a huge goddamn oil well underneath everyone's feet of the, I probably shouldn't have said oil, that's fun, uh, a reservoir, if you might, under everyone's feet that is just an amazing pool of talent that just seems to not be dug up and that's a it's a huge fucking problem and I don't know I don't know how it gets fixed I don't know how you get it better the only thing I can think of is to have someone Kevin Hart's trying to do it but have someone with the the foresight and the understanding that the the sphere of influence and creating your own opportunities. Russell Simmons, I gotta give it to him, man. That motherfucker developed so many acts and gave so many people a, a break, but a traditional break of just being seen. That's all that needs to happen. I, If I can speak on behalf of my fellow comics, most of us don't need anything other than a fair shot for you to see what the fuck we're bringing to the table. And the, again, the unfortunate truth goes along with the unfortunate torch is that there are a lot of people who never get that chance to be looked at as a contender. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a political game. It's, it's a societal game. There's, there's so many different factors that go into this. And when you add... You know, you could argue systemic racism. You could add uh, systemic sexism for <laughs> black female. Like when you're adding all of these other things up, it, it seems to be uh, just a, a, a frustrating fucking business to begin with. And then to add those layers on there, uh, I can't imagine having it weighed down on your chest like that. I 
the the fact that there's not a black Bill Burr of just someone, or <laughs> I don't know why I'm picking on him, but like just someone who's black and just fucking screaming all the time, saying "Go fuck yourself." How there's not that comic, uh, I don't understand. Because if I was a, a black dude in America, I, well, I. I just answered my own question. I'd probably be dead because uh, I'd tell everybody to go fuck. Like, where the where the fuck is the NWA of comedy? You know what I mean? I I want to see that for sure. I want to see the fuck the police of jokes, and I and it'd be fucking hilarious. And I think I could relate to it because I got anger issues, and then to watch someone else just burn out on real issues uh, would be great. And moreover, where the fuck is that with female comics, too? I want an angry bitch of a woman. I want an NWA of women. But, you know, who the fuck am I? But that's... That's the unfortunate torch, man, is that it seems, for a time in the 90s, it seemed like the, the glow of the torch was getting brighter, and then it died down. And although the marathon has been long and and dark, I do see a dawn breaking. Uh, I see on the horizon uh, like a new a new renaissance kind of emerging. I'm optimistic. Uh, I'm cheerful. You know, I'm cheerful that, that the torch itself will become more of a spotlight, right? And that spotlight will draw people into a marquee that is just full and, and vibrant and covered in the names of black excellence. Or not, you know? I don't care. I'm a, I'm a white dude, you know? Fuck up. <laughs> Alright. Guys, this has been the DTF Podcast. Thank you for joining me uh, on this look into uh, a different sphere of vision. Please Follow me on all social media uh, platforms if you're not already. Uh, it's all I, the letter I, Sam Comedy. Uh, that's .com or at on uh, Twitter, Instagram. And thank you again to my producer, Ryan, for uh, doing this with me again. We'll be back on a regular basis. And thank you all for sticking in there. I really got to give you a shout out before we go. Um, so we've been gone for a year. I've been doing no promotion on it, been kind of focusing on moving and life and shit. And I, you know, would log in occasionally to see the uh, different stats on the podcast downloads. And you guys are still fucking listening, like with no, like newer subscribers, newer. So it keeps growing outside of my <laughs> my own laziness. So please, thank you. Keep listening. We'll be back and giving you more and more of what you want. Uh, get at me on any social media for any topics you want me to talk about. And please tell your friends. Like this is this is cool that we've been uh, basically on life support for the last year, and you guys are just keep fucking breathing us. Well, we're back into life, and we're we're here to please, baby. I love comedy. I love you. Uh, I cannot wait for the renaissance of black excellence. Uh, Wakanda forever. Actually, I love Killmonger. Love y'all. Bye. There can be only one.